Welcome, everybody, to our new venture. Our being myself, Josh Griffey, and my co-host, Alex Dandino. What's up, Alex? Hey! <laughs> Good. I like the energy. I like the energy. For the first show, see, that's how podcasting goes, for those of you who don't know. You start way up high, then by episode 10, you're like, oh, shit, we got nothing left to say. I hate it. <laughs> oh, God. Nothing left in the tank. All right. Yeah. And then you grind that out for a while, and if you don't kill yourself, you just make podcasts till the day you die. Uh, so I'm assuming uh, some of the listeners uh, will be legacy listeners for us. Uh, I used to do some shows, the Nick Hall Comedy Pod and Booze Buddies. Me and Alex have been doing the long box sessions now for several years. Um, so if you're finding us from those, welcome back, guys. We're excited you're joining us on this new adventure. If you're a new listener... Uh, Welcome. <laughs> so so this is a, a new podcast called Film Alchemist. The idea of this podcast being is that Alex and I just wanted a venue to talk about what we love the most, which is movies. We already had a show for comic books, so we figured uh, why not do the same for this. The goal being is to take movies that we fucking love, you know, whether they're critical darlings or not, and... Um, Talk about what about them works for us. What sticks with you? What helps? Why does a movie like Snakes on a Plane find more of an audience than something like The King's Speech that wins Oscars, right? That's the goal. What We talk about this a lot, right? The alchemy of filmmaking. There's many moving parts. You know, what? what is this inexact science of what works and what doesn't? That's kind of what we're hoping to get at on this show. Yes. I want to... I, I, I am interested in diving deep and drinking from the cup of these amazing movies we have chosen for this. <laughs> Some of this stuff is Oscar-worthy material that gets, gets very looked over. Now, to be fair, we're not going to be doing just like... This isn't a thing where we're doing you know, B movies and saying they're better than the movies that, the, that were the one Oscars that year. And in some cases, they are. But nevertheless, some cases that will be the show that will be the show. Occasionally. <laughs> but what we're really doing, you know, it, what we want to do is just open up the wide array of films, because on our other show, the long box sessions, we focus mainly on comic book movies, comic book adaptations. This is a chance for Griffey and I to get down and dirty with movies that we think are fantastic for a variety of reasons. So they could be Oscar winners. They could be movies you never heard of that heard of. They could be. Mm -hmm. Movies from 1972 that, you know, got released as a double feature and you never saw the second half <laughs> of the reel. We're finding that movie. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, the nice thing is uh, movies have been my number one love my whole life, essentially. Um, long before I was a huge comic book fan, uh, I was watching movies, man. That's how That's how I shielded myself a little bit from the world. That's how I linked in with, you know, kind of who I was as a person. So... The opportunity to get to just talk about films all the time is something that I cherished. And that's that's why I've been pushing this show for a while. And you finally stepped up to help me out, right? I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's because occasionally my opinions are seen as a bit <laughs> braggadocious. Uh, <laughs> considering I'm the only man who's cracked the perfect movie theorem, which is hopefully a segment we'll be bringing onto the show. Oh, I it's going to show up. Seven? I can't remember if it's five to seven last time I checked. Um, but yeah, so I know all the best movies. I also like a lot of movies that aren't fully loved. Um, okay, so Alex. Yes. Now that we've talked about our goal, right, which is just kind of talking any film, uh, eventually we're going to... So this is the thing. Let me do setup first. 
the setup of every month, right? Every month, we're going to try to pick something um, to help us curate our choices, right? Because originally, we were just going to start picking any movies. The fun thing about a curation is that often it helps us focus on things we would overlook, right? And also, it can help us if it's an actor, it can help you see kind of the arc of their career, same with a director. Um, if it's a genre, we can start pulling out tropes and things like that, examining them from uh, some juxtaposition and different angles, which is fun. But more than anything, I think that the curation, it just offers you those things you would miss. So in doing this, we've already got maybe like eight to 10 already. We're way out ahead of ourselves. And there are all these movies that you would just not watch or would have forgotten about that now we're going to have conversations about, which is my favorite. Absolutely. And eventually, the other thing this will allow us to do is have the audience help guide us, right? So if right. you just want to punish us, right? You're like, I just want to punish you, and you're going to watch Glitter with Mariah Carey. <laughs> you may have a chance to do that someday. You may have the chance to force that down our throat. God and, bless. And uh, see if we can pick anything from that movie that works. <laughs> if we can truly live up to the alchemist nature of the show and find the uh, the Philosopher's Stone that would make that movie enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's just do a quick rapid fire back and forth to kind of give people who haven't been listening with us for a while um, some introduction. Now, we both have sure. worked in the business for a while. We have. Uh, I don't anymore, but you still do. We I both do. fancy ourselves screenwriters. Um, somewhat unsuccessful yes. as it were, but still we fancy ourselves that way as goes most uh, people in this business. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we're like every barista in LA. Yes. Essentially is what I'm telling you. Uh, what is the first movie you remember being absolutely in love with and why? Oh man. Uh, you know, this is going to sound, man, the first movie I was absolutely in love with. I know. Um, here, give me two here. Here's what I'll do. I'll give you three touchdowns. So I'll bail you out a little bit. The first movie you loved, the first time you were, maybe this could be even the same one, the first time you were fully aware that movies were something more than just what was turned on in front of your face. Right. And thirdly, what's the movie that made you want to make movies? Sure. Okay, the first movie that I absolutely fell in love with and thought was the coolest thing I had ever seen was definitely uh, uh, the first Batman movie. Yeah, Burton Batman. The first Burton Batman was the first time I had seen something that I lo that I loved and uh, saw that it could happen elsewhere. And just like the cellulose of being in the theater. Like that was the thing that I really like valued so much was that like we went to a movie theater and it was an event. And like then it wasn't like super expensive, but like still we went in and there was popcorn and treats and shit like that. And we were sitting down and we were watching a movie and I saw Batman. I'm like, holy shit, this is a fucking movie. I'm sitting in a movie theater. I can do whatever I want. It's dark. It's crazy. Well, I re the thing I remember most about that movie is I couldn't believe I got to go to it looking back on it based on how my parents made their decisions. Right. But um, that movie made Batman real to me. Yeah. When I, I saw like, it in live action, all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, there is a Batman out there. There is a Gotham City. Oh, my God. That movie so fully transported me as a young man to you know a what? place of just, oh, my God, it's Batman. <laughs> you know what? Okay. I actually I am really sorry about this. I have to retract. Batman was retraction probably, already. You bitch. Ba Batman was probably the second movie I saw that made me feel this way. The first movie I saw when I was a kid that made me feel that way about movies was the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, I see. 
I saw that movie. Well, that's fine. We're just going to be the wishy-washy show. Come here that. to get your soft-ass opinions that we're going to walk I back. saw it. This is why. And this is something because I realized, okay. like, backtracking, because I was thinking, you know, Batman's the first movie I, like, Batman's the first movie I saw probably with my parents. I was like, whoa, really cool. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I saw that movie six times in the movie theaters. And it was mainly because <laughs> I knew I was allowed to see it because my parents also had certain restrictions on movies I was allowed and not allowed to see. I knew I could see it, and I knew babysitters could take me to see it when my parents were at work. So we had a babysitter. Her name was Mary uh, Beth, and she would person. take. She took me three or four times to see that movie, and the last time she was like, "Alex, I love you. We're never going to see that movie again." And that was <laughs> such a, but that was such a valuable experience of like, oh my god, like I can go see movies. Like this is something people do just regularly, which right. really was like mind blowing. Movie, All right, so that'll be that'll be your first two movies. That's then. my first. That's the, let's say those are my first two movies. Now the movie. All right, that made what's the me, movie that made you want to make movies? The movie that made me want to make movies, like most people who grew up in the Midwest, is definitely Clerks. There's okay. Almost, yeah. I feel like there's almost a universal contingent of people who grew up in the Midwest with this affinity for Kevin Smith movies. And it's because we all talk. There's a lot of us who got into this business from that area of the country that all kind of talked like that. And when I saw that movie, and I remember I saw it very young. Like, I probably saw it when I was 12. And I snuck downstairs because my parents had a Delphia cable and they had an HBO subscription at the time. So I snuck downstairs and started watching movies I was not supposed to watch. And one of them was definitely Clerks. And I remember the first time I came across Clerks was the scene where uh, they're bitching about Star Wars. Yeah. And I was like, this is That's a, a big one. And I'm like, this is a conversation I have like regularly with people. Like, I talk like this all the time. Are you allowed to when make I, movies like this? You know what I love about Clerks is I, I think a lot of us, Kevin Smith became, like Richard Linklater did that with Slacker for a lot of people of the earlier generation. Yeah. yeah. For our age, I think it was the, we were one of the first generations that had way more access to fandom. Absolutely. Right? Being post-Star Wars, uh, Marvel and DC were doing a lot of really cool shit then. Right. You know, kind of expanding and blowing up these characters past kind of the cartoony silliness they had become. Right. Um, what I love most about Clerks and Kevin Smith is I feel like we all loved him on that level of, oh, shit, they talk just like us, even though no one talks like no, a Kevin Smith everyone character. Always, everyone but always we all thought think they we like did. That. And a lot of us changed our behaviors to talk like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. What he did was he, he became the fan right he was us doing it like yeah. so instead of just consuming it and talking about it like those guys in star wars he was the extra level of oh and you can add to that right i think someday the, a kid just like you will be talking about your movie that right. was the coolest thing i about think kevin the smith value movie. of kevin smith for especially our generation is that he also provided us with the access to himself like he didn't just hold the keys mm -hmm. to the kingdom and say yeah i figured it out do it on your own like he countless times has recounted his story if you've ever bought the clerk's 10th anniversary dvd he had a whole fucking documentary about it like that's what the value is of him as a filmmaker and him as a person is that his ability to give us access to himself as an artist was yes. what was so inspiring and so like awe like you know it was just it was what put him uh in the upper echelons of filmmakers to me and obviously Everybody has different opinions. I've gone back and forth with Kevin Smith here and there, but at the same time, I can't get over the fact that the first movie I saw where I was like, oh, I think I could probably do that was Clerks. 
And it was a really important movie to see. And again, just like Slacker before it, I think Clerks is one of those seminal pieces of filmmaking for people who maybe don't think they have the maybe don't think they're as smart as Linklater because I think Slacker takes a certain amount of certain amount of uh, I wouldn't say intelligence, but it takes a certain amount of understanding of a little a little upper level storytelling. And you obviously aren't going to be Spielberg. So to see Clerks in a movie theater or on TV right. or wherever you first saw it and say, wow, that looks like a movie that someone just made like in their <laughs> like made in, right. the, in a convenience store that they had access to like that in and of itself is valuable. Well, I've always thought that was one of Kevin Smith's gifts, right? Is he's obviously full of shit when he always is like, I'm the worst filmmaker ever, blah, blah, blah. Like the guy made movies that were were good, but he was always honest about he's good at making Kevin Smith movies. Right. right. And I think that's something that resonates with a lot of us is. He disarmed us. He's not like when you listen to like Scorsese or Tarantino and they just know everything about every movie ever. Right. He's not a technical wizard like James Cameron or Spielberg, like you mentioned, where, you know, you watch some of those movies and you're like, holy shit, I couldn't even fathom wrapping my mind yeah. around starting something that huge. Kevin Smith showed us that you can just make your story. Yeah. Um, and that more than the technical merits, if you just have fun with it and be honest with it. So I think the disarming nature, while often is kind of annoying when he's always referring to himself as, I made the worst movie ever, Clerks <laughs> right. Out. It's like, obviously not. A lot of people love that shit. Right. But the disarming nature of it is why I think he helped a lot of... A lot of people know they can't make a Tarantino movie. Right. Right? When that indie revolution was happening in that phase, right? You're like, oh, that Tarantino guy is pretty fucking cool and knows everything about yeah. movies, it feels like. Uh, Kevin Smith was one... Because that's the thing. My movie that made me want to make movies was Mallrats. Oh, wow. I remember getting the bootleg VHS of it, and that was the one where I fully felt like me and my friends were on screen. So that was my first Kevin Smith. Yeah. Because we used to go to the mall just to fuck around, right? And right. playing the video games and having the comic books and just trying so desperately to get laid and like how much of my time that was preoccupied by. And then the jerk at the mall who had the muscles and the nice clothes. And, right. Like It just really encompassed my life and felt... Very fun. And again, I just thought it was a very funny movie. Right. Not think, not a very beloved movie to most people, but to me, I still think that's a really great movie. Right. So but that I, that was my my first chance of, oh my God, I can get in on this game. Right. You know but what I mean? I also think you bring up something interesting with Kevin Smith being different from like the Tarantinos because he came up in that group of like Tarantino, yeah. Soderbergh. Paul Thomas Anderson, like all these guys who are quote unquote, the VHS filmmakers. These are guys who didn't go to film school, who learned from watching essentially. But, That's the Tarantino line, right? I didn't go to film school. I went to films. Right. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, and again, like if you have this encyclopedic knowledge of, you know, neoclassical Italian movies like Scorsese or, you know, B double feature movies like Tarantino, that's you. The thing that was amazing to all of us about Kevin Smith was that Kevin Smith made movies that didn't necessarily come from an informed place of like, oh, I saw these movies, so I'll understand this movie. It came from this place of I grew up somewhere and I understand how these things work. Like that's the value of going to see a movie where you see yourself on the screen is it's not something that's informed by anyone but you. You are the one grafting your own opinion on. You're the one who's grafting yourself into the story. And that's sort of the value right. and the benefit and the wonder of Kevin Smith, I think. And he obviously was so into all of this stuff, but he took it and then filtered it through himself and gave it back to us, right? So right, it's kind exactly. of a, an interesting regurgitation effect. 
Um, so let's see. The first movie I ever you? remember loving as a kid is Abbott and Costello's Jack and the Beanstalk. Wow. It was one of those, yeah, we didn't have a lot, right? Deep but that cut. was like one of those things that was just always with me was that VHS. So everywhere we'd go, right. I would watch that shit. And I, it was a great blend of, obviously, Jack and the Beanstalk's a very classic story, a classic good and evil. Right. Um, Abbott and Costello were very funny to me as a kid. <laughs> Like, that's the kind of comedy I grew up on, right? I was, I was like, really into those gags. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I thought it was so fun and great, and it had right. this this kind of great heroism. It had amazing sets. Like, that's something I miss a lot. Like, just today, I was watching with my son. I was watching um, Wolfman Meets Frankenstein, which he wanted to watch, because I'm a big Universal Monster fan. Right. And there's just so- shots of, like, the German village and the castle and, like, these big sets yeah. they actually made. And covered in cobwebs and filled the room with smoke. Um, it just it plays in my imagination so beautifully. I love those big sets and the pieces and uh, you know the melodrama of it. And, Je- and Abbott and Costello, I think, is probably one of the reasons why I love that stuff so much. Right. Um, yeah, I remember as a kid, my dad was like one of those irresponsible dads who would let me watch the worst shit. <laughs> so like you know, he'd be like, "I'm going to the bar," and he'd put us down in front of Monster Vision, right, with whatever right. that dude's name was, Jim Bob or Billy Bob, whatever. Monster. And Vision? he would, in, yeah, he would in, show in, like three or four movies on TNT on a Friday in night. In Cleveland, it was a guy named Goulardi. Right. Yeah. So this one was a national one. This was actually on TNT. Oh, nice. Yeah, because I remember some of those local guys too. But but uh, yeah, so like we'd watch a movie, you know, and I'm like five years old where it's like a closet monster and i they're one of the earliest movie scenes i still to this day can't get out of my head is this closet monster comes out of the closet captures this lady he's become infatuated with right right uh beauty and the beast you know quasimodo kind of thing and he's walking through what i've i in my mind is like Times square carrying this lady like because he needs a closet he's out of the closet so long he dies right so he's desperately looking for a closet and just falls dead in the middle of new york and uh you know it's a, it's one of those things i've never gotten out of my brain but um yeah so early on i was always watching all kinds of stuff a lot of irresponsible stuff but when i would watch the monster movies they were too scary like child's play right is a great one Pumpkinhead. you should not be showing those to five-year-olds when those would make it too far for me i would get sent upstairs to do uh either puff the magic dragon or abbott and costello's jack and the beanstalk <laughs> and that's how they would settle me down to go to sleep very nice. Uh, Good. Parenting. The first like pure movie magic moment of my life is Jurassic Park. Yeah, uh, I remember being taken to that. I was just at the right age. Um, and that's that's a fairly adult, fair movie. Looking back on it, like especially what Jurassic Park and Jurassic World have become. Uh, you know, it's not as just CG dinosaur toy fest as it was. Yeah, that a lot was... of big concepts, but that one totally captured me. That was one I my totally parents... felt transported to that island. Right, that was one my parents went to and saw, and that like I was waiting for them to get home because the judgment was if they saw it and thought it was too scary, I wasn't going to be allowed to watch it when it came out on VHS. And then mm. they were like, "He can handle it," and it came out on VHS, and that fucking blew my mind. Yeah. No, I remember going to the theater and just, you know, it's like that perfect mix of I got my little soda, I'm slamming popcorn in my face. Like all these rituals that are so built into my life now. Right. I just went to see a movie Friday night and I was like, I don't want to miss one second of this movie. I've heard it's so good, but I can't not have a soda and popcorn. Right. So I was like trying to ration out my like 800 ounce large soda (laughs) to try so desperately to not have to go to the bathroom in the middle of this movie. Uh. And yeah, so it's like Jurassic World 
was the first moment where I was like, I don't know what is happening, but I want this to be my life. Right. Right. Yeah, I said it on my other friend's podcast, The Tal. I was like, in a very meta sense, I wanted to just be the total artistic effect of Jurassic Park. Not a director, not a writer, not an actor. I wanted to be all of it right. rolled into one man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, John Hammond and his Willy Wonka ass just, he did everything right for me. Right. Um, so, yeah, those were kind of the big moments in my life. But film has always been there. And then, you know, you go to film school and I had that kind of effect where you start learning what to hate about movies. Yeah. You know, because when I make this movie, I'll, ugh. And uh, I'm glad I've come back full circle. Well, ne- well, now I'm just back in love with them, right? And a lot right. of that was my kid is just getting to rewatch movies I loved with my kid. Right. And just seeing think- like, yeah, some of these more clinical and scholarly ideas that we like to try to prognosticate about, you know, sometimes. Yeah. At the I- end of the day, th- this is why we chose alchemy too, right? Because that was the pseudoscience of the old times, right? How do I just mix all this shit together and we'll see what it does? Right. right? We'll see what happens. We'll make a potion. This will get the uh, the warts off your nuts. You know, we're right. going to sprinkle some dirt and, you know, maybe a little titty milk and whatever. And <laughs> here, this this will cure whatever it is that affects you. Yeah. Um, it was a little more scientific than that, but not much. Well, I think film school is built to kind of like beat the wonder out of you. Like you're supposed to like get over your like love of movies and be like, all right, now it actually is work. But, Which is funny because that's when we find so many of sure. those movies that you don't – you wouldn't have watched, right? Until right. you're like, oh, shit, there was classic right. cinema there's before a ton the of things I that I saw in college that I'm like, wow, I never would have seen that movie had I not like sat down. Like I would never would have watched a Terrence Malick movie had I not had to sit through one in class. And right. Now well, like, like, well, that top was cool. five favorite movies ever for me is Harold and Maude, right? Right. That was assigned to me in class. That is not something I probably would have found in my early years and sat through if it were not an assignment. Right. Uh, but yeah, what, what I didn't film school to me, yeah, is more like pulling the machine in front, right? It's like the Wizard of Oz, if him and all of his levers, and there's just no curtain, right? Right, exactly. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I got through it and this and that, and uh, I've I feel like I've come more back to just being fully in love and enamored with with movies. And this is something for you guys to know who don't know us yet is uh, I'm like the biggest movie crier. Uh, and it's one true. of the reasons is not only do I cry when a story's done well or an emotional moment hits, but it's just sometimes I just cry at like what people achieve. You know what I mean? It's one of those things I've I've come in my older age to appreciate more is just watching an actor like get to that level, right? Or you see a scene that's just so fucking pitch perfect, it just brings tears to my eyes. And right. um, yeah, I, I'm back to that point where I'm just I'm so thankful for all of it, man. And the access we have to it today is insane, right? Because oh yeah, when I was younger, I was having to go find like I told you, I've got Mallrats on a bootleg VHS, right? Someone was just like making copies for some of us. Yeah, uh, you know that's how I saw Boondock Saints and some of those like there were indie movies that were like the Dallas Steve, you have to see this. What was you the- know and. <laughs> What was it? yeah um yeah Boondock Saints I had not seen it and like a girl was like you've got to see it. it's the best movie and I watched it oh everyone, dude that was the hotness when I was in high school that was like everyone the, had that poster everyone had like their quotes from the movie or whatever and I'm like got it cool that, that was, was the like, first time I was like I desperately need to seek out a piece of movie making yeah. art I think that it's really <laughs> and it was yeah, fine I mean it was fine I'm it was so, cool <laughs> I was so used to being I mean. Hollywood Video was the video. There was a video store in our town, and that was like the main place that, like, if you didn't know where I was, there were two places I usually went, like on my own, like not paying attention to other things. And one was Hollywood Video to just like peruse and see if I could find some weird movie I hadn't seen yet. 
And then the other place was uh, uh, Borders down the street from our house that I would just mm-hmm. go in and like, you know, if there was a book I wanted to look at, but mainly I was in the DVD section because they had these crazy like, I would I had a job in high school and they had these crazy like five bucks for or five DVDs for twenty bucks. So I'd like yeah. save twenty bucks out of my paycheck and like go buy like five <laughs> random movies just like to add to my collection of just like I random still shit. have yeah my movie collection got I had so many DVDs yeah like thousands of DVDs uh, that was like my jam I spent all my money through high school and college buying DVDs right um and I sold them all to move to LA actually. But still, Ooh. some of them survived. But my favorite thing was like Kmart would have twenty movies for five bucks. Yes. <laughs> the shittiest old movies. I'm a huge fan of old, like you know, B horror movies. Anything with giant creatures, mm-hmm. uh, which now I share with my son and is super fun. Uh, yeah, but my best day was every now and again on a Friday. Right, we'd go to IGA, we'd buy our groceries, and they had spinner racks of comics back then, so I could get my stories. Right. And then we would go to, it was called Video Land back then. Nice. Uh, you know, I had the classic, like, it was one of those where the, the saloon doors to the porn room. Yep. You know, where I wandered in there and my mom's like, never be by these men. Oh, yeah. And then you learn later it's because you will inevitably grow to be those men. <laughs> Thank God we don't have to do the saloon doors anymore for pornography. Yeah, you can just. Those poor men just being in that room and then turning around and seeing my little curly hair. Those poor. Staring at them with those uh, Cindy Lou Who eyes. Like, those... Why are you making sense? Those poor guys just getting <laughs> full on shamed, and now we got the internet, yeah. and I mean, I feel and so. And now bad every for one of us is just doing it, like, oh, my kid's taking a nap, boop boop boop, porn, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like right on our phone. But those poor kids had to turn around and see me just, why you make the scene in my family video? <laughs> why you do this to me? Yeah, and then my mother's look of like haughty derision at them, and it's like, Get the- come on, Zayna, leave these poor guys alone. <laughs> You're better than that, Zayna. You're better than that. But yeah, my my movie thing, when I was always run straight to the horror movie aisle before my mom could figure out where I was and yell at me. Right. Because there is still to this day one of my favorite things is old uh, horror movie covers. Right. Like especially like 80 slasher stuff. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. I couldn't get enough of those. You just look and you're like, oh, my God. Just imagining how fucked up those movies must be that I would never get a watch. Right. Um, yeah. So I mean, it was a great time. But now we have it all at our fingertips. And that's equally as cool. Um, what, what's your genre when you're reaching for a movie? Do you have a go-to kind of movie? You know, I know we've talked about this before. I don't think I do. Like, it's kind of just, I, I, I know the movies I don't go do you have for a go-to movie, a movie you rewatch constantly, a filmmaker. Like when you sit down and you're like, it's movie time, right. what's your first move? I mean, when I sit down, I mean, I mean, we actually talked about it when we started doing the research for the show, like the first movie when, uh, I got the film when you gave me the Filmstruck account. The first movie I watched was All the President's Men. Like, I think that's probably if I'm going to pick a genre, it's probably stuff that is in that vein of like, it's not quite espionage, but something along the lines of like, you have to dig for the truth. That those kinds of movies are really interesting to me. I especially, I mean, and again, like, All the President's Men is a head and shoulders above the rest of them. Like, it's a very specific movie, but I also like a lot of other things like it. Things that have to do with the newspaper. The post wasn't very good, but like Shattered Glass is one that no one's ever seen because Hayden Christensen's in it, and I think it's fantastic. Like, there's a lot of like I'd say thriller, like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that would probably be the thing I'm most interested in watching is like stuff about political intrigue. I have no right. idea why because I'm not a very political person by nature, but maybe that's what it factors <laughs> into. 
You like the blood sport of it all. Perhaps. Like, there's one movie that I've watched, like, a bunch that no one else has ever watched. And I think mainly because I think it's really funny. But uh, it's a movie called The Contender with Joan Allen. And uh, it's Joan Allen, Gary Oldman, and uh, Jeff Bridges as the president. But Jeff Bridges is the president. (laughs) Yeah. And Jeff Bridges in every scene, his gag in the movie is he calls the um, White House cafeteria to see if he can catch the chef without an ingredient. And he Uh, very nice. Like he asks these random piece of shit. He's like, I'll have a uh, he's like, I'll have a shark meat sandwich. He's like, cool. No problem. He's like, I'm going to catch him one day. And finally, at the end, he catches him. And that's like the big scene where everything blows up like Jeff Bridges I think got nominated for an Academy Award for it like it's just like this little oh, shit it's little kind of it's this little <laughs> kind of pissant movie that nobody's ever seen but I think is really cool and fun to watch because it's got a lot of this political intrigue and again I don't have a lot of political leanings or anything like that but I don't know why that's like the movies I would generally watch like all the president's men and shattered glass and that kind of shit you're so cool. You're so cool and scholarly. No, I'm just kidding. No, but like that's but that's the thing is like I don't understand why that's you got, like you gotta my, go where you get lit up. I don't know you why that's why that's what lights me up. I think it's just I think it's a matter of people talking because we're writers. Like the writing thing is really interesting to me, and when I see people doing dialogue in a certain way, particularly just well done, well written script and making it even better and acting it out even better, like that to me is really engaging and really interesting. Yeah. For me, I always go directly to horror movies every oh, fucking time. For me, it's I always want to see characters in the absolute worst scenario. Right. Right. Like to me, that's I think I already mentioned on the show, but like one of my most movies I laugh at constantly that won awards was like the King's Speech. Right. Yeah. And I read the script and you're like, yeah, it's a very well crafted script from a writing standpoint. But you're like, at the end of the day, what happens if that guy doesn't do the speech? Right. No one knows. They try to give him credit in that movie like he won World War II <laughs> because he gave the speech or World uh, War One, whatever Winston the fuck it was. Winston Churchill won World War II. Yeah, and you're like, okay, so worst case scenario, he's just still a royal family member who stutters and gets to lead the best life and not work and fuck that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I prefer a movie where it's like, if you are very dumb, you will get chopped in half. Right. You know what I mean? I love, uh, yeah, I love monsters. I love my favorite subgenre of all movies are religious horror films. Yep. I think religion is the most terrifying invention of man that we have. I fear it more than nuclear war or guns or anything. Um, I love the idea of mind slipping, right? What people can justify. What's the worst behavior? Like, what's the darkest, lowest rung of the ladder that people can get to and justify it? That's, right. Those are the best villains, right? Is that in their mind, they think they are doing a service or a good or even... At bare minimum, they think they're justified in what they're doing. Well, I think that's what makes a good horror. That's what makes any good horror villain is someone who thinks they're justified in what they're doing. Like anytime, like anytime you have a story where someone is doing something terrible, but sort of justifying it to the masses as like for the greater good, like that to me is what makes a great story and makes specifically a great villain. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, let's get you out of here on this. If you had to just shotgun it, five favorite movies. Five I know favorite? it's hard as fuck, right? Because it wow. changes all the time for me, too. But if you just had to kind of shotgun it, what are some of your favorite movies? Five favorite. Go. Five favorite movies. I you would will say, be graded on this afterwards. I'm sure I will. Uh, <laughs> like I said, All the President's Men. 
Um, uh, the original Manchurian Candidate with John from John Franken. Uh, did John Franken ever direct that one? Either way, um, the original Manchurian Candidate with Frank Sinatra, I think, is fucking amazing. Uh, that's just like an impeccably directed and written movie, and it also uh, I think came out of the blacklist. I can't remember who did it. There's a blacklist thing with that one. Um, what else? I would say Jurassic Park. Uh, there's nothing more thrilling to me in that movie. And this is going to sound really weird. There's really nothing more thrilling to me in that movie than the scene that I have at lunch where Ian Malcolm literally predicts the entire result of like, it's the same thing as the book. It's the condensed version of the book where Ian Malcolm tells everyone, yeah, this is all going to go tits up. But if you guys want to keep going, that's fine. We'll just do this. Anyways. <laughs> uh, let's see. Number four would probably be I'm trying to think about what, I, Oh, number four would probably be, no, it wouldn't be that. I don't know. Just oh. shotgun him, dude. Shotgun What do you him? think? Others that are like right there. Empire Strikes Back and... Yep. Uh, uh, okay, this is going sh- to show my film, my film school roots. Uh, eight and a half. <laughs> oh, you're so cool. I God, know. God, you're so unbearably cool. I, I need know. To get I'm a sorry. More ev- honestly, I need to recast you with a more everyman Tom Hanks kind of guy. Honestly, it just like... <laughs> came off the top of my head as like that's because i remember watching that a lot in college for some reason like i was like really into italian movies and i'm like yeah this film maybe sure. i could make something like this and sure like, you were two years later sure i was like you, you douchebag you're never gonna make a movie like this just ever. the worst you are the worst what about you <laughs> uh let's see off the top of my head some big ones that i am either fascinated by enamored with watch regularly um harold and Maud. right uh it's great love story but I like any movie that takes something familiar and great, gives me that, but can find a way to twist it. Right. Make it a little weirder or darker. Uh, Throne of Blood, Kurosawa's uh, Macbeth. Oh, you're so uh, cool. Oh, Always my God. fascinated Kurosawa, by Macbeth because huh? I, yeah, I'm super smart uh, Shakespeare fool. <laughs> uh, yeah, Throne of Blood just has like some of the most haunting visuals. Uh, Toshiro Mifune is always the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing that you see. know that name and yet you get Did you so really, many other... You just shaded me? You think I'm not going to call you out to the audience? Oh, I see you writing. Yeah, that's why I asked you first so I could write my list down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so mine is less off the top of the head. Let's see. Clockwork Orange. Mm. Uh, that was one of the first movies where I was obsessed with the style and the craft sure. that went into that. Uh, that was at my young age when I thought maybe I would start making movies. Let's see. Uh, Halloween. Good call. Love Halloween. Always watch Halloween. I think it is just one of the most fascinating movies. Um, and yeah, I guess, again, I guess I would say Jurassic Park 2. Not oh. Jurassic Park 2, but Jurassic Park uh, the as lo- well. The Lost World? Got it. Yeah. Lost World. I just, young Vince Vaughn. Young Vince really Vaughn is lathers, so charming He lathers my teats. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean, that's I. that question is always hard for me because depending on when you got me, there's yeah. a hundred movies that could. Spin I agree. Into that I feel one. like it's really a time of day question, and I feel like people who have it ready made and understand what they are are people who kind of don't watch enough movies. Like, if yeah. you know what your favorite. Well, I movie almost is. never rewatch movies. Like, yeah. I'm almost always looking for something new. Right. But yeah, so it, it's a hard one. It's I mean, tough. You, you have those movies, right? Like, everyone has a movie. Like, oh, I got to show my friends this. this is so fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, I love when my relatives haven't seen Seven. Yeah, and you're just like I'll do whatever, and then I come back for that last minute. Like, what are they gonna fucking think? I know this? tomorrow I'll have uh, like that's the thing is I know tomorrow I'll have a different 
like yeah top five favorite movies yeah so there's like your five favorites there's always the like what's the one movie that you love that most people haven't seen you love sharing around it's hard right but just to give the audience a taste um so to wrap it up guys this is the Film Alchemy Podcast. Uh, I'm Josh Griffey. That's Alex Dandino. That's right. Our is. goal is to have shared source conversations about films that we love or have, even if they're not great movies, an element that we find fascinating. Um, we hope you guys participate and help guide the content as well. We hope it's all good fun. That At the end of the day, we just want to talk about movies because we love them on such a deep level. And we hope to combine uh, that love with the love of all you guys as well. Hopefully this will become a big shared space where we all just talk about how fortunate we are that we live in a world with Howard the Duck and Forrest Gump, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, Amadeus, whatever other great movies you love. Uh, We hope that that's that's our goal to achieve for the show. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I hope you guys will join us again and stick with us. Uh, We'll catch you later. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Peace, bitches.